People of Earth, attention! This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Chatterbox Audio Theater presents Master Zacharias by Jules Verne Part 1 Chapter 1. A Winter Night The city of Geneva lies at the west end of the lake of the same name. The Rhone, which passes through the town at the outlet of the lake, divides it into two sections and is itself divided in the center of the city by an island placed in midstream. A curious mass of houses piled one atop the other sits on this island, presenting to citizens and visitors a delightfully complex and confused sight. One of the houses on this island was striking for its curiously aged appearance. It was the dwelling of the old clockmaker Master Zacharias, whose household consisted of his daughter Gironde, his old servant Scholastique, and myself. My name is Aubertoon. I was the master's apprentice. There was no man in Geneva to compare an interest with this Zacharias. His age was past finding out. Not the oldest inhabitant of the town could tell for how long his thin pointed head had shaken above his shoulders, nor the day when, for the first time, he had walked through the streets with his long white locks flowing in the wind. The man did not live. He vibrated like the pendulums of his clocks. Master Zacharias's bedroom and workshop were a kind of cavern at the bottom of the house, built very near the water. From time immemorial, the master had only come out of his workshop to take his meals, and when he went to regulate the different clocks of the town, he passed all other hours at his workbench, which was covered with numerous instruments. Most of them he had invented himself, for in addition to his skill as a clockmaker, Master Zacharias was also a noted inventor. Among his many achievements, to him belonged the glory of having invented the escapement, the perfection of which signaled the true birth of clockmaking. After he had worked for a long time, the master would slowly put his tools away, covering the delicate pieces that he had been adjusting, and stop the active wheel of his lathe. Then he would raise a trapdoor constructed in the floor of his workshop and, stooping down, would inhale for hours together the thick vapors of the Rhone as it dashed along under his eyes.
One winter's night, the old servant Scholastique set out supper, which, according to custom, the entire household ate together. Oh, Scholastique, it smells wonderful. Thank you, my dear Gironde. Now, oh, Mr. Toon, you wouldn't be sampling the main course before everyone is gathered at the table, would you? I, I, I wouldn't dream of it, Scholastique. And if you'll slip back in the kitchen just for a moment... I'll continue not dreaming about it. (laughs) Heaven help me. What am I going to do with such a man? I swear, Mr. Toon. I shall take my supper in the workshop tonight, Scholastique. Of course, sir. I wonder what has overtaken him. Oh, my dear young lady... The master has been out of sorts for several days now. Holy Virgin! He has no appetite because his words are stuck to his insides. It would take a very clever devil indeed to drag them out of him. My father has some secret cause of trouble that I cannot even guess. Mademoiselle, please do not let such sadness fill your heart. You know the strange habits of Master Zacharias. Who can read his secret thoughts just by looking at his face? No doubt, some fatigue has overcome him. But tomorrow, he shall have forgotten it and, and shall be very sorry to have given his daughter pain. Oh, quite right, dear demoiselle. Now, finish your supper and it will be time for bed. Why tie your eyes by sitting up late? Ah, holy virgin, in these detestable times, it is much better to sleep and to take comfort in happy dreams. Ought we not to send for a doctor? A doctor? Has Master Zacharias ever listened to their fancies and pompous sayings? He might accept medicines for his watches, but never for his body. Then what shall we do? Gironde, some mental trouble annoys your father. That is all. Do you know what it is, Aubert? Perhaps. Well, out with it then. For several days, something absolutely incomprehensible has been going on. All the watches your father has made and sold for some years have suddenly stopped. Very many of them have been brought back to him. He has carefully taken them to pieces. The springs were in good condition, the wheels well set. He has put them back together yet more carefully, but despite his skill, they will not go. The devil's in it! Why, it seems very natural to me. Nothing lasts forever in this world. The infinite cannot be fashioned by the hands of men. It is nonetheless true that there is something very mysterious and extraordinary in this. I have myself been helping Master Zacharias to search for the cause of the derangement of his watches, but neither of us has been able to find it. But why undertake so vain a task? Is it natural that a little copper instrument should go of itself and mark the hours? Why, we ought to have kept the sundial! You will not talk thus, Scholastique, when you learn that the sundial was invented by Cain. Good heavens! What are you telling me? Aubert, do you think that we might ask God to give life to my father's watches? Without doubt. Good. They will be useless prayers, but heaven will pardon them for their noble intent. (laughs) 
Later that night, unable to sleep, Gironde wandered downstairs and stood outside her father's workshop. It is death. It is death. Why should I live longer now that I have dispersed my existence over the earth? For I, Master Zacharias, am really the creator of all the watches that I have fashioned. It is a part of my very soul that I have shut up in each of these cases of iron, silver, or gold. Every time, every time one of these accursed watches stops, I feel my heart slow in its beating, for I have regulated them with its pulsation. Gerond! Oh, Bear, you frightened me. Dear Gerond, grief still keeps you awake. Go upstairs, I I beg of you. The night is cold. What are you doing here? Ought not I be troubled by what troubles you? My father is very ill, Bear. You alone can cure him, for this disorder will not yield to his daughter's consolings. His mind is attacked by a very strange and natural delusion, and in working with him, repairing the watches, you will bring him back to reason... Oh, Bear, it is not true, is it, that his life is mixed up with that of his watches? Is my father's a trade condemned by God? I... I know not. But go back to your room, my poor Gerond, and, with sleep, recover hope. I will. Oh, Bear, good night. And so the poor girl slowly returned to her chamber and remained there till daylight, without sleep once closing her eyelids. And Master Zacharias, mute and motionless, gazed at the river as it rolled turbulently at his feet. Chapter 2. The Pride of Science It was certain that the watches of Master Zacharias had stopped and without any good reason. The wheels were in good condition and were firmly fixed, but the springs had lost all elasticity. Vainly did the watchmaker try to replace them. The wheels remained motionless. On the morning after his night of anguish, however, the master seemed to resume his work with some confidence. I I joined him in his shop as soon as I awoke. Good morning, master. Good morning to you, my boy. How are you feeling? I am better. I know not what strange pains in the head attacked me yesterday, but the sun has quite chased them away along with the clouds of night. In faith, master... I don't like the night for either of us. If you ever become a great man, Aubert, you will understand that the night is as necessary to you as is food. A great man? Such as yourself, you mean. (laughs) Master, it seems to me that the pride of science has possessed you. Pride, Aubert. Destroy my past, annihilate my present, dissipate my future, and only then will it be permitted to me to live in obscurity. Poor boy, who comprehends not the sublime things to which my art is wholly devoted. Aubert, no doubt you are a good and clever workman, but when you work you think you have in your hands but copper, silver, and gold. You do not perceive these metals which my genius animates, palpitating like living flesh. You do not see it thus. And so you will not die with the death of your works. 
Indeed, Master, it gives me heart to see you work so unceasingly. Without doubt, you will soon feel back to normal again. Your work on this crystal watch is going forward famously. Yes, yes, and it will be no slight honor for me to have been able to cut and shape the crystal to the durability of a diamond. Look at it. Would it not be fine, Aubert, to see this watch palpitating beneath its transparent envelope, and to be able to count the beatings of its heart? I would wager, sir, that it would not vary a second in a year. And you would wager on a certainty? Have I not imparted to it all that is purest of myself? And does my heart vary? My heart, I say! Tell me frankly, Aubert, have you never taken me for a madman? Do you not think me sometimes subject to dangerous folly? Well, speak, is it not so? In my daughter's eyes, and in yours, I have often read my condemnation. Oh, to be misunderstood by those whom one loves most in the world. But I will prove victoriously to you, Aubert, that I am right. Mark me, you will be astounded. The day on which you understand how to comprehend me, you will see that I have discovered the secrets of existence, the secrets of the mysterious union of the soul with the body. Do you know what life is, my child? Have you comprehended the action of those springs which produce existence? Have you examined yourself? No. And yet, with the eyes of science, you might have seen the intimate relation that exists between God's work and my own, for it is from his creature that I have copied the combinations of the wheels of my clocks. But, Master, can can you compare a copper or steel machine with what is called the soul? That force that animates our bodies as a breeze that stirs the flowers? What mechanism could be so adjusted as to inspire us with thought? That is not the question. In order to understand me, you must recall the purpose of the escapement which I invented. When I saw the imprecise, irregular working of clocks, I understood that the movements shut up in them did not suffice, and that it was necessary to submit them to the regularity of some independent force. I then thought that the balance wheel might accomplish this, and I succeeded in regulating the movement. Now, was it not a sublime idea that came to me to return to the balance wheel its lost force by the action of the clock itself, which it was charged with regulating? There is no question that it was. Now, Aubert, cast your eyes upon yourself. Do you not understand that there are two distinct forces in us, that of the soul and that of the body, that is, a movement and a regulator? The soul is the principle of life, the movement— Whether it is produced by weight, by a spring, or by immaterial influence, it is nonetheless in the heart. But without the body, this movement would be unequal, irregular, impossible. Thus the body regulates the soul, and like the balance wheel, is submitted to regular oscillations. This is so true that one falls ill when one's drink, food, sleep, in a word, the functions of the body are not properly regulated, just as in my watches the soul renders to the body the force lost by its oscillations. Well, what produces this intimate union between soul and body, if not a marvelous escapement, by which the wheels of the one work into the wheels of the other? This is what I have discovered and applied, and now there are no longer any secrets for me in this life, which is, after all, only an ingenious mechanism. No! No, father, no! Why, Gironde, what is the matter, my daughter? If I had only a spring in my breast, father... 
I would not love you as I do. Gironde. Dear Gironde, I only... Father? <gasps> Father, what is the matter? <coughs> help, Aubert, help him! <coughs> My master, please sit down. You are not well. <coughs> oh, dear. Oh, Scholastic, help us. The, the master is very ill. No. No. I will be all right. I divine, my dear Scholastique, that we have recently had a visitor, and that you bring me still another of those accursed watches that have stopped. Oh, Lord, it is true enough. My heart could not be mistaken. And so, with the assistance of poor frightened Scholastique, I helped my troubled master to his bed. Meanwhile... Gironde carefully wound up the watch. But it would not go. Chapter 3 A Strange Visit the news of the derangement that Master Zacharias's watches betrayed had a prodigious effect upon the citizens of Geneva. What signified this sudden paralysis of their wheels, and what of these strange relations they seemed to have on the old man's life? In various classes of the town, from the apprentices to the great lords, there was no one who could explain the singularity of the facts. The citizens all clamored to see Master Zacharias. He felt very ill, and this enabled Geron to withdraw him from their incessant visits, which had degenerated into little more than reproaches and recriminations. <laughs> Medicines and physicians were useless to Master Zacharias, and the cause of his illness could not be discovered. It sometimes seemed as if the old man's heart had ceased to beat. But then, the pulsations would resume with an alarming irregularity. One day, during his convalescence, the old watchmaker sent for his apprentice. You asked to see me, sir. Yes, yes. Come in, my boy. Aubert, I am old, and I fear that, little by little, I am passing away. I do not worry for myself, but for my daughter. I fear that, upon my death, she shall be left without support. Now... Many of the young men of this city have sought my daughter's love, but only one has been constantly by her side. And that is why, if you do not think me impertinent, I am asking you, dear Aubert, to wed my daughter Gironde. Master, I... I don't know what to say. Why, say you will, and bring some comfort to an old man's last days. I would be honored to ask her for her hand. Excellent. Ring for Scholastique, will you? The two of you make for a very natural couple, I should think. I know that she is quite fond of you, and as you have been brought up with the same ideas and beliefs, it seems to me that the oscillations of your hearts are perfectly isochronous. You rang for me, sir? Yes, Scholastique. Is Gironde in her room? She is, sir. Will you ask her to join us, please? 
Mr. Toon has something he would like to discuss with her. Thanks to the uncontrollable excitement of Scholastique, all of Geneva was soon talking about the upcoming union, but it also happened that while worthy folk were gossiping, a strange chuckle was often heard, and a voice sang, Gerard will not wed, Aubert. <laughs> if the talkers turned round, they found themselves facing a little old man who was quite a stranger to them. How old was this singular being? No one could have told. People conjectured that he must have existed for several centuries. His big flat head rested upon shoulders the width of which was equal to the height of his body, which was not above three feet. This personage would have made a good figure to support a pendulum, for the dial would naturally have been placed on his face, and the balance wheel would have oscillated at ease in his chest. His nose might readily have been taken for the style of a sundial, for it was narrow and sharp. His teeth, far apart, resembled the cogs of a wheel and ground themselves together between his lips. This little man walked throughout the city with a strange, jerking motion, without ever turning round. If one followed him, it was found that he walked a league an hour, and that his course was circular. Every day, at the moment when the sun passed the meridian, he stopped before the Cathedral of Saint-Pierre and resumed his course after the twelve strokes of noon had sounded. Excepting at this precise moment, he seemed to become a part of all the conversations in which the old watchmaker was talked of, and indeed, it was observed that he never lost sight of the old man and his daughter while they took their leisurely strolls through the city. Why, what is the matter, my daughter? You look positively distressed. I do not know. But thou art changed, my child. Are you going to fall ill in turn? Ah, well, then I must take care of you, though I doubt I can do it with the same tenderness that you have shown to me. Oh, father, it is nothing. I am cold, and I imagine that it is. What, dear Gerard? Why, the presence of that man who always follows us. Faith, he goes well, for it is just now four in the afternoon. Fear nothing, my child. It is not a man. It is a clock. I'm not sure what you mean, father. Are you well? Fine, fine, my dear. By the by, I have not seen or bear for several days. And yet he has not left us, father. He has been working in your shop. Ah, attempting to repair my watches, is he? But he will never succeed. You don't think so? No, never. For it is not a repair they need but a resurrection. (sighs) Master! 
I suspect, my dear Aubert, that you have not had much luck with these wretched watches. No. uh, No, sir, I have not. Well, then, I suppose I shall try my hand at them once more. But, master, are are you sure you are well enough? I am not sure, Aubert. But I shall never be well until whatever strange sickness affecting these watches has been altogether cured. Leave me, Aubert. You have been down in this workshop for far too long. Go to Gironde, who loves you, and who waits longingly for you. Of course, master. Now, now we shall see. What is this? Three minutes early. How dare you! What? No! No! Stop it, curse you! Stop it! I command you to stop! What the devil! Pardon me, master, but might I not speak with you for a few moments? Who are you? A colleague. It is my business to regulate the sun. Ah, you regulate the sun. I can scarcely compliment you upon it. Your sun goes badly, and in order to make ourselves agree with it, we have to keep putting our clocks forward so much, or back so much. By the cloven foot, you are right, my master. My sun does not always mark noon at the same moment as your clocks. But some day it will be known that this is because of the inequality of the Earth's transfer, and a mean noon will be invented that will eliminate this irregularity. Shall I live until then, I wonder? Without doubt. Can you believe that you will ever die? Alas, I am very ill. Ah, yes. That is precisely what I wish to speak to you about. Let us see, Master Zacharias, what is going on in this good town of Geneva? (gasps) They say that your health is failing, that your watches have need of a doctor. Ah, do you believe that there is an intimate relation between their existence and mine? I do, indeed. For example, I imagine that much like yourself, those watches have certain faults, even vices. What do you call faults? Have they not a right to be proud of their maker? Not too proud, not too proud. They bear a celebrated name, it is true, and an illustrious signature is graven on their cases. But for some time they have gotten out of order, and you can do nothing in the matter, Master Zacharias, and the stupidest apprentice in Geneva could prove it to you! To me! To me, Master Zacharias! To you, Master Zacharias! You who cannot restore life to your watches! But... It is only because I have a fever, and so they have also. Very well. They will die with you, since you cannot impart a little elasticity to their springs. Die? No, for you yourself have said it. I cannot die. I, the first watchmaker in the world. I, who by means of these pieces and diverse wheels have been able to regulate their movement with exact precision. Have I not subjected time to exact laws, and cannot I dispose of it like a despot? Before a sublime genius had arranged these wandering hours regularly, in what vast uncertainty was human destiny plunged? At what certain moment could the acts of life be connected with each other? But you, man or devil, whatever you may be, have never considered the magnificence of my art. No, 
No, I, Master Zacharias, cannot die, for as I have regulated time, time would end with me. It would return to the infinite, whence my genius has rescued it, and it would lose itself irreparably in the abyss of nothingness. No, I can no more die than the creator of this universe. I have become his equal. I have partaken of his power. If God has created eternity, Master Zacharias has created time. Well said, Master. Your glory must not perish. So your servant here desires to give you the method of controlling these rebellious watches. What? What is it? What is it? You shall know on the day after you have given me your daughter's hand. My... my Gerard. Herself. But my daughter's heart is not free. Bah! She is not the least beautiful of watches. But she will end by stopping also. No! My daughter, my Gironde, no. Well, return to your watches then, Master Zacharias. Adjust them and readjust them. Get ready the marriage of your daughter and your apprentice. Temper your springs with your best steel. Bless Aubert and the pretty Gironde. But remember, your watches will never go, and Gironde will not wed Aubert! You've been listening to Part 1 of Chatterbox Audio Theater's production of Master Zacharias by Jules Verne. Featuring Justin Willingham as Aubert, Shannon King as Gironde, JoLynn Palmer as Scholastique, Bo List as Peter Nacho, and Robert Arnold as Master Zacharias. Music by Catherine Whitfield. Sound effects by Karen Strawn and Jim Palmer. Produced by Andrew Sullivan. Adapted and directed by Robert Arnold. This is your announcer, Tom Badgett. Chatterbox Audio Theater is a nonprofit, web based community theater that advances the exchange of ideas by channeling creativity and artistic collaboration into recorded audio works that enlighten, entertain, and inspire. Download all of our shows free at www.chatterboxtheater.org. Hey, do you like thrillers, action, adventure, mystery, crime drama? Well, you're in luck, because here on the Mutual Audio Network, we have Thursday Thrillers. 
you can subscribe and have a dose of adrenaline pumping audio every Thursday from your favorite podcast player. Get it here now. The Mutual Audio Network, where we listen and imagine together.